0: Thank you, Zoe. We are going to be uh, in uh, Matthew 11 this Psalm, Palm Sunday, as we talk about victory and as we talk about the triumphal entry. And um, this is an odd thing to call Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, the triumphal entry. And that's not a biblical phrase, but that's kind of traditionally what we've labeled it. And, and it is in all, in all three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And uh, and it's an odd Thing to to, it's an odd moment as Jesus enters into Jerusalem. Because I want you to imagine, even though we know the story of, of Jesus entering into Jerusalem for the most part, I want you to imagine what was happening on the other side of the town. I want you to imagine the might of the Roman Empire on display. Oh and that's unfortunately didn't come out as well as I'd like it to, but I want you to imagine. Thousands of Roman legions walking into the city of Jerusalem who are there specifically for the week of Passover in order to keep the peace. And then the way that the Roman Empire keeps peace is if you step out of line, they crush you. And they destroy everything and burn the city down and do not care. And they, they walk in with violence and might, with their thousands of men, thousands of weapons, thousands of, uh, all of their armor, all of their bright shininess, everything uh, about their power is, is established. And that is how they enter into the city of Jerusalem. And, and if we were in our world to call something a triumphal entry, it would most likely look like the entry of the Roman Empire into Jerusalem on Passover, uh, uh, the week of Passover in order to keep the peace. And we wouldn't call we wouldn't call Jesus' entry into Jerusalem on a small donkey, an action of, the, uh, 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 of a powerful empire, but yet that, uh, we wouldn't call that a triumphal entry, and yet that is what we would see right now. We see that in Matthew 11, that as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. The reason why no one has ever ridden it is because it's a young donkey, and therefore a small donkey, okay? If anyone asks you why are you doing this, say that the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here uh, shortly. So it's a borrowed small donkey. And they went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway, and as they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying the colt? And they answered as Jesus had told them and the people let them go, which is just as much a miracle as anything else. Like a cult was, was your transportation. This would be like you walking into someone's driveway and just like opening their truck and being like, I'm going to borrow this. And then they're like, what do you, the Lord has need of the truck. I'll bring it, bring it back when we're done. And they just go, okay. Like I imagine, like if you go to Leduc and try to pull that off, I don't think it's going to go well for you. So this is as much of a miracle as anything else. What are you doing untying the colt, they answered, as Jesus had told them to. And uh, the people let them go. And when they brought the colt to Jesus, they threw their clo- col- colts over it, and he sat on it. So we see that in this city, the people who've seen the might of the Roman Empire enter on one side. Roman legionnaires and their armies and their shields and their spears and all of their might walking into the city. And the opposite side, they see a man coming in on a borrowed, small donkey. So how do the people respond? Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. And those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. And he looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now these are not foolish people. They understand what a powerful entry looks like. It's not that they're very impressed with the small, borrowed donkey. But when they saw Jesus entering on a colt, the foal of a donkey, they knew and understood what he was saying, was that he was entering as the Messiah. They're quoting Zechariah 9, is rolling through their heads as they see Jesus rolling into Jerusalem. In Zechariah 9, the prophet tells the people of Israel, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So when Jesus did this, when he borrowed the donkey and rode into Jerusalem on it, he was making a statement about who he was. He was telling everybody, I am the king that you have been waiting for. Get ready for what's to come. So when the people saw this, they responded, they responded to him as a king. Because they were thinking not just that the king was entering lowly and humble in heart, they were remembering later on in Zechariah 9 when it says this, then the Lord will appear over them, his arrow will flash like lightning, the sovereign Lord will sound the trumpet and he will march in the storms of the south and the Lord Almighty will shield them. They will destroy and overcome with sling stones. They will drink and roar as, if, as, as with wine. They will be full like a bowl used for sprinkling the corners of the altar. The Lord their God will save his people on that day as a shepherd saves his flock. They will sparkle in his, in his land like jewels and a crown. When people are throwing palms in front of uh, David, branches that they cut in the field, when they're calling him, Hosanna, son of David, come save us, this is what they're thinking of that no matter what army is rolling in from the other side of town, at this moment we're looking to the king who's coming. We're looking for the one who's gonna, who's gonna flash like lightning and sound the trumpet and destroy and overcome with sling stones. They're expecting a violent political resol- uh, 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 revolution to come at this moment. When, when it says that they will drink and roar like, like wine, they will be full, used for sprinkling the corners of the altar. The bowl used for sprinkling the corners of the altar was full of blood. They were expecting that this was going to be the beginning of a new and a violent world. Jesus was making a statement that there was victory for his people. Victory over their enemies, victory over oppression, victory over fear, and victory over hopelessness. And in the midst of the armies and the circumstances that surround him, in the midst of a a religious elite that is is trying to keep them down, and a Roman Empire that is trying to keep them down, Jesus is bringing... Freedom and victory and hope. And the way that the people respond to this makes sense. If we look at it this way, it makes sense that many people spread their cloaks in the road while others spread the branches that they had cut in the field. And those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. That It makes sense Jesus make Jesus state making a statement and they are making a statement as well because they quote Zechariah 9 and they also quote Psalm 118 when they say, come save us. They're saying, yes, the king is coming. Come and save us. But there's more than that. There's an expectation that what they are saying will be taking place. So they quote Psalm 188, which says, give thanks to the Lord as we, sorry, sorry 118, not 188. There is no Psalm 188. Don't look for it. Um, They say, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. They say, let Israel say his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his love endures forever. And Psalm 118 continues, when hard pressed I cried to the Lord, he brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. And I look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They swarmed around me like bees, but they were consumed as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them down. And I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. The people who were saying this, who were saying, come save us, who were saying, Hosanna in the name of the Lord, these were not foolish people. These were people who knew full well the might of the army that was entering, but they also knew full well the victory that was promised in the Lord, and they trusted that the victory that the Lord had promised was at hand. So they said, and I want us to to practice this because we're going to do it a little bit later. So they said, Give thanks to the Lord, his love endures forever. Now, uh, we sing this probably, uh, we sing this like white people do. Um, which is our cultural disposition, which is fine. But this was written as a call and response. I think the technical word for that is antiphony, but it's a call and response. So uh, I- those of you who are familiar with 1980s hip hop will be very familiar with the with the with the call and response tradition. But but here's the deal. I'm going to say the am going to say the, the first line, and you're going to say what's in bold and underlined. Okay. So I'm going to say, "Let Israel say," not bad. "Let the house of Aaron say." Let those who fear the Lord say. His love endures forever. So when hard pressed, they cried to the Lord, and they trusted this, that His love endures forever. And all of the armies and all of the enemies and all of the fear and all of the oppression of the Romans and all of the oppression of the religious elites are real, but they trust in the salvation of the Lord and the victory that the Lord is going to give them. This is interesting. Because these were people who saw deeply that problems and enemies swarmed around them like bees, but they also believed that they were consumed as quickly as burning thorns. And this is where I need to repent a little bit. Because the tradition in the evangelical church, and what I grew up with and and what exists in regular evangelical church right now, is that we see the problems swarming around us like bees and we just ignore them. We pretend that there's, there's... As we're we're in the swarm of bees, traditional evangelicalism says there's no bees. What are you talking about? People who follow Jesus aren't affected by bees. No, 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 we're fine. We're fine. Everything's good right now. Just, Just, no, there's no bees. And if you have bees around you, then that is because you have a lack of faith and you need to trust the Lord more because if you were a good Christian, you wouldn't have any bees swarming around you. And in response to that, in response to that refusal to acknowledge the swarm of bees that surround us, I, and, and a lot of people like me, swing entirely over to the other side, where we say, where we stand in the midst of the swarm of bees and just say like, yeah, the bees are real, man. Look at the bees. Yeah, I get stung, you get stung, we all get stung, and we just, yep, bees, surrounding us with the stinging, you know, and we just, and we just live there with the, in the midst of the swarm of bees, Because they didn't acknowledge the bees like, we're going to acknowledge the bees. But we just sit there and we're like, yep, getting stung by bees is terrible. But the reality is, is I need to repent because we need to be somewhere in the middle where we both acknowledge the bees that are swarming around us. But we recognize the victory that God is giving, uh, giving to us and that they are going to be consumed as quickly as burning thorns. Neither are right. We need to swing into the middle where though there are bees, yes, but we have victory over them because the love of the Lord endures forever. We're in the midst of everything that we face, in the midst of of all of the concerns that we have in the world, in the midst of all of the enemies that surround us, in the midst of bombs going off at churches on Palm Sunday morning, we say that the king is coming, and the king is coming to save, and the king is coming to make all things new, and no army or empire or religious establishment or terrorist organization or cross or death is going to keep our King from saving us and giving us life now and for eternity. And this is what we need to hold on to the love of the lord i need to repent that i haven't dwelt enough in the victory of the lord i've acknowledged the bees so much and i've gone so far into that to say like yes there are bees that i've forgotten to remind me and i've forgotten to remind you sometimes that the lord is cutting them down and we don't have to worry about those things and we can have complete and total victory over everything that is calling that that, that is affecting us because of the love of the lord and the power that it gives changes everything So I want us to hold this in our minds: that when we say the love of the Lord endures forever, we are not merely saying a fact that we state. We're not merely saying uh, we're we're not merely saying something that, that that feels good because we've repeated it over time. We're not merely saying. Uh, something to to place us in a tradition of people. We're saying that the love of the Lord endures forever and the victory of the Lord endures forever. And we're claiming that power over our own life and everything that affects us. And even in the midst of of economic failure, even in the midst of everything falling apart, even in the midst of our own sickness, even in the midst of of everything that we're afraid of in a world that seems to be going insane, we are going to say His love endures forever. Forever. So now that we have prepared our hearts, let and listen to the Lord, let's worship properly by having, let Israel say, His love is let the house of Aaron say, His love let those who fear the Lord say, His love let disciples church say, His love let all of Edmonton say, His love let the old wise people say, let the children say. Love let the let, let all the people in the middle-aged people say. Love I let you put yourself in whatever category you wanted. Let all the sick people say love. his love endures forever. Let the people worried about money today say. Love let the scared people say Let everyone say, his love endures forever, his love endures forever, his love endures forever, his love endures forever. And this love changes everything. Because there's nothing that is going to come against us that we need to face with fear. There is nothing that is going to come against us that we need to face with trepidation. There is nothing that we are called to do that we cannot accomplish. Because no weapon formed against us shall prosper. There is no impediment to the love that we have been given. And we have been given full and total victory in the love of Jesus over everything that matters, and only what matters for eternity really matters. So we need to trust this, and we need to declare this over our own lives. We need to declare this as good news for other people. And we need to trust this because we're in the we're headed for a rough week. One of the things that happens in this week is we walk through a period, we watch Jesus walk through a period of victory, and then and then rejection, and then come back to victory on the other side. And we're all headed for a rough week as well because you might leave here powered and fired up and and chanting in your own mind his love endures forever and I hope that you do, but at some point this week you're gonna face something that reminds you that there is an army entering from the other side, that there are forces coming against you that, that, uh, that appear big and large and scary and powerful And and it looks like death and destruction and loss, but we need to trust that the resurrection is coming because we know how the story ends. The people who who gathered in front of Jesus and said, Hosanna, come save us, and threw their cloaks in front of him and, and, and threw branches that they had cut from the fields in front of him and said, Hosanna, this is the coming king of David. They were right. They were right when they said that. They didn't believe that they were right when Friday rolled around, when Friday rolled around, they didn't believe it anymore. They, they thought we must have been wrong last Sunday, last Sunday, because, because if, if what we said then was right, then what is happening Friday wouldn't be happening. But then Resurrection Sunday happens, and all of the things that they were right about beforehand is verified. And we believe this. We believe this today. We believe this every day. We believe it when bombs go off. We believe, that we believe it when our money isn't coming the way that we would like it to. We believe this when our health fails. We believe this when everything seems to be against us. The Lord is giving us victory and the love of the Lord endures forever and that his salvation is happening. And all of this is verified through what we're going to celebrate in the next week. So let's do this together. Let's remind ourselves, in the midst of everything that we face, that though bees do swarm around us, that we have victory over them, that they're going to be cut down, in the word, of, in the name of the Lord, and that we can have, and that, and that, and that, our salvation is secure because our King has come to save us. Let's pray. God, we forget. We forget that Your love endures forever. And we see the armies of Rome marching against us. We see all of the problems that we have. We see bombs going off. We see injustice being done. We see people ignoring your will and ignoring your name and crushing the brother and not loving our neighbors as ourselves and not loving you with our whole heart and people following nonsense and believing whatever their itching ears want to hear. And, and we wonder, we wonder, does the love of the Lord endure forever? And we get scared and we get small. But God, we trust that you have given us victory, and that those people who said, Hosanna, blessed is the king who comes, blessed is the king, they were right, and we want to be right along with them. So we ask that in the face of circumstances that are surrounding us, that you give us victory, that you remind us that there is no weapon formed against us that shall prosper, that you remind us that you are making all things new and remind us that you have victory even over death now and forever. So, uh, so give us the ability to live loving others because you have so loved us. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus.